God bless you today. It's always a joy to have you here. And, you know, your thousand dollars cannot reproduce until it enters into a covenant. Westboro Baptist Church will picket their funeral. You can put that thousand dollars. We will remind the living that you can still repent and obey. Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where biblical Christianity meets evangelical Christianity face-to-face. -face. I'm your host, Sean McCraney. We praise the true and living God for allowing us to be here in our brand new studios for the first time. We're calling it the factory here in Salt Lake City. It's been equipped uh, with the purpose of serving the true and living God in a number of capacities. So first and foremost, it's to um, do Heart of the Matter, Tuesday nights, live streaming throughout the entire world. This is the first time we've been here. This is a real live wood studio. It's not virtual, and uh, so we're excited about that. We also, also hope the factory will be used um, by other Christian churches in the state, or those who want to come and use it from out of the state, or Christian people. Uh, to share the Word of God, teach the Word of God, and uh, we're loaded with state-of-the-art equipment and adding more and more as we can to uh, make the uh, broadcasting stuff uh, suitable and available to you, and we want to make it uh, available to the Christian body here in Utah uh, uh, anytime they need it. Also, we're also going to be meeting here at the factory on Sundays beginning April 21st for our campus verse-by-verse Bible studies. We have milk in the morning at 10 a.m. That's where we are going to study John, beginning at John 1-1, April 21st of this year. And then the afternoon, 2.30, we're going to be going through the book of Hebrews, beginning at Hebrews 1-1. So all of that stuff going on here at the factory, located at 137 West, 4640 East in Salt Lake City, Utah. Give us a call if you want to schedule a time to uh, drop by, see it, whatever it is. Well, it seems like the LDS had their recent general conference last weekend, and it was a, an historical event. How so? Well, for the first time in its history uh, of a Mormon general conference, which began way back in 1830, I think was the first one, maybe 1831, a woman was able to offer a prayer. How advanced. Can you believe how advanced they are? Uh, a woman actually gave the benediction, as it were. Um, the Salt Lake Tribune headlined uh, the following day with one word. And it says there, you probably can't read it, but it says, Amen. Amen. And it shows the woman who gave the prayer there, a uh, LDS woman named Jean A. Stevens. She became the first woman to ever offer an invocation or a benediction at an LDS conference. Um, I detest this about organized religion, how they, uh, their rules and their ways and their systems are always put in place as if this is what God says, it must be done this way, and then they change it. And they change it and they say, that's because God says uh, it's okay to change this now. There's not a more masterful group who does this than the LDS church. Uh, they've had polygamy commanded by God, polygamy, uh, polyandry, blood atonement, Adam being God taught as being from God, full body garments, we're talking ankle and, and, and wrist length garments, black people not being allowed in their temples or to hold their priesthood, uh, throat slitting temple rites uh, and no woman ever praying in a general conference. Uh, all they said were mandated by God and how he does things and then all changed literally from one day to the next. Uh, I remember when I was a faithful Latter-day Saint there was literally one day when black people could not go to the celestial kingdom essentially because they couldn't go to the temple. They couldn't get in because of their skin color and the next day, they had the priesthood. They all, it was open to all men, just like that. I remember uh, going to the temple 
and being a temple attending Mormon. And one day we did all these rites and rituals showing these punishments that we would do. And the next day, the next week, they were all removed, gone. And, and I used to, it just used to befuddle me. Um, so when they announced this woman uh, uh, or the blacks and the priesthood and all these other things, the, the LDS are just always so happy that the Lord has moved in this direction. And uh, it's really interesting how that works. They also often say, oh, well, that was in the past. Gordon B. Hinckley, the president of the LDS Church, used to always get on uh, news reports or whatever interviews, and they'd say, well, what about polygamy? What about black people in the priesthood? Oh, that's in the past. That's in the past. And, and you know what? Everything's in the past. Do you realize that all of Scripture is in the past? Every single Scripture we have ever been given by God is in the past. So everything is in the past. So to, re, to re, respond to it that way is absolutely insane. Well, that was in the past, Gordon. Everything's in the past, and it's a ridiculous statement. Uh, the faithful LDS rejoice. Here, the byline, it interviews a woman named Amanda Farr Knickerbocker, who says, I wanted my children to know that the church hears the voices of women and that God does too. Uh, I got news for you, Sister Knickerbocker. God has always, always heard the voices of women and children and black people. And uh, your church does nothing but place itself in between them and him, which is one of the greatest crimes uh, when we all have equal access to him by and through the shed blood of his son. With that, let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for this studio, the opportunity to be able to talk about you. We hope in reasonable ways that are consistent with your word. We pray for those who are seeking truth and to understand the difference between relationship and religion. Uh, realizing religion will get us nowhere. Relationship will last for an eternity. So we pray that you'll be with us tonight as we touch this subject. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight we're going to talk about faith healing, our first subject relative to fundamentalist Christianity. Uh, and for some, it's just part of their faith, faith healing. And for others, it's a ridiculous, it takes a ridiculous place, an enormous position in their church. Out of control. So since we have embarked uh, on this year in exposing and talking about American evangelical Christianity and its failures, the responses I have personally encountered have been very interesting, even from dear friends. Uh, it seems that there's this push from them for me to get back to full-time criticism of Mormonism. Uh, and to, it's like they're uncomfortable with this period of time where we are really looking at evangelical Christianity with as much fervor as we did with Mormonism, and so they want me to get back what they don't realize is what we are doing is a very big part of our outreach to the LDS. Having been Mormon, I was always bothered by the elements that we are going to talk about. And just because I came to know who Christ was personally doesn't mean I'm not still not bothered by the things that I see that are done in his name. So I'm here now making a case on the LDS behalf, actually, who are coming out into a relationship to be able to discern between what is true Christianity and what is really just a, a, a hoax. So tonight we're talking about faith healing. And um, someone said the other day that it, all I need to do to cover the topic of faith healing, because they want to simplify it for me to get onto Mormonism, is play a tape of Benny Hinn touching someone's forehead and them falling over, and then the whole thing's done. We don't need to say anything more. Just put that under the rug, and let's go forward. After that, I think you're going to see there's a lot of things to consider when it comes to the topic. I would like to be so Pollyannish in my outlook, uh, but unfortunately, this advice ignores the fact that there are millions of people out there who ardently follow after these men and women who are, especially on television, who are promoting in, uh, this faith healing uh, side of evangelical Christianity. Uh, now, let me make something perfectly clear. It's a disclaimer almost. I believe completely that God heals people. I, I firmly believe in his healing power. In fact, I put all healings from a thumbnail to a canker sore to cancer and, 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 and beating death in his hands 
completely. I believe he heals. I believe that when people are cured or healed by people in the medical profession, it's an act of God who has given medical professionals abilities and discernment to help mankind. I don't believe modern science can help or cure anyone who God wants to die. If God says it's time for this person to leave this mortal place, there's nothing anybody's going to do to stop it at all. Uh, and and uh, nor do I think that modern science is a substitute for God. It's just an extension of him. You know, we were created in his image. We were given minds and intelligence and abilities, and we use those things, and it's from God that we get them. I believe prayer can serve to help. How it works, I'm not going to even begin to try to explain. I don't know how that prayer works relation in relation to him. I don't know if it moves him or, or alters things or, or whatever. We have some biblical examples in the Old Testament where God changed his mind and let somebody live 15 years longer uh, when he asked for it. There's circumstances like that all through Scripture. But I also believe there are evidence of divine miracles which stand outside of modern science relative to healing. But as I said, I do not think, and, and, and listen, hear, hear me clearly, I don't think the miracle of a blind man receiving sight through divine intervention is one bit more miraculous than another person beating cancer through chemotherapy. I think all of it is miraculous. All of it, anytime someone is healed from an invasion of something or an infection or injury or wound, when they overcome that, that is a miracle and I honor and praise God for that no matter what means it comes by. Is faith required for a person to be healed? No, not at all. Atheists are healed of issues as often as believers uh, in the Bible. And the Bible is full of instances of people who were healed who exhibited no faith at all. Um, if faith of family members, is faith of family members required for someone to be healed? No. There were plenty of times where P Jesus uh, healed people and others were healed, where family members uh, were around, and there's plenty of times when family members don't believe at all and people are healed. Many people uh, uh, are healed. Many people who are healed are surrounded by unbelievers. Can and will faith override the sovereign will of God? I don't think so. In other words, will a person overcome an ailment and live because they have faith when God would otherwise have them die? I don't think so. Listen, everything falls under God's will, and we pray and we have faith. Listen closely. Christians pray and have faith so we, in our flesh, have the strength to accept what God does in the circumstance. We pray like Jesus did, not my will, but thine be done. These faith healers seem to imply that it's our will that will be put in place when we have enough faith to get it done, and God's will is a secondary matter. That is a lie. It's absolutely not true. In other words, if I get sick, my prayer as a believer and follower of God in faith is that his will will be done and that I and my family can accept his will no matter what it is. If I live, I will rejoice that he has acted in that way. And if I die, I hope my family will rejoice in his wisdom to take me at that time. And I would never be so arrogant to assume that I am in control of the situation and that I am in possession of the power to heal my own ailments. The only power I have comes from him. All of it's from him to believe and to trust. I guess the best way to summarize all the above would be to say there's a huge difference between divine healing, which Christians firmly embrace, and faith healing, which is a construct of Christian fundamentalism, which I wholly and completely reject for reasons to come, which I will articulate. Before I say why, there's a there are some major points to understanding healing and faith as it is described in the Bible, okay? All of them need to be understood contextually, or they can and will be used by charlatans to prey upon unsuspecting people. First, we are commanded as believers to pray in faith for the healing of others. Again, how that works, I don't know. Is it a, it's a Christian duty, if you will. James 4, 4, 5, 14 through 15 says, Is any sick among you? 
let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, the elders being the older men of the church, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. That's very straightforward. It's very plain. This is what we are commanded to do. All right, the LDS think that they're the ones who originated the, the oil and all that. It's right there and churches do that. The command to pray in faith is plain here and, and, and in the company of scripture, I would liken it to parenting. Let me explain. When responsible people decide to become parents, most of them say, or they kind of tacitly agree to some universal things that they're going to do. We sort of agree to love our offspring. And in loving our offspring, that means we provide for them, we teach them, we spend time with them, we uh, provide a place for them to live, we uh, teach them if they go astray, we have long suffering, etc., etc., and we try to nurture them up. But here's the relevant point to prayer and faith. Doing these things does not guarantee that that child will uh, uh, grow up to be a good person or that child will grow up to be responsible and loving too. Um, they have their own will, just as God has his own will, relative to the situation of people who are ill. Kids who have been treated and raised really well by dutiful parents uh, often go south, in spite of their parents' uh, uh, devout love and attentions to them. Nevertheless, good and responsible parents continue to fulfill their responsibility as parents in providing nurture and love to the rebellious child in spite of the fact that they are probably going to end up behind bars or whatever it is. And so it is with prayers of faith. Christians have the responsibility to pray for those who are sick among them. We do not offer up prayers of faith for any other reason than we have been commanded to and we trust that God will handle the situation. Again, your will, God, we pray your will will be done and we'll be able to accept it. If the recipient is healed, we praise God. Uh, we have been responsive. We have been responsible Christians. We have prayed as instructed, and we have asked him for his help, and he responds and heals the person, and we praise him. Just like if we do everything right as a parent and the kid grows up, we thank God that, he, that the child grew up and was a good kid. But if we pray in faith for someone to be healed and they die, it's not because we failed. It's because God chose to exercise his will in that way. Just like if we do what we're supposed to do as parents and the kid goes south, we did our responsibility. To think that the command to pray in faith and anoint the sick is a guarantee that a person will revive is like the parent who thinks if they do everything right, their kid will grow up to be perfect. What a lie. It's not true. That's not how prayers of faith work or how parenting works either, actually. People are not healed or healed because of our efforts. They are healed and saved according to God and his will. We pray in faith, trusting in the Lord and his will, not our own. If we pray in faith and a person uh, prayed for uh, worsens, it is not because we lacked in the faith for the person to get better. It's because God has his hand on all things and we trust in him and we place everything on him. To state otherwise is to suggest that we are in command and what you will see in these people when they embark on the uh, uh, faith healing mode is they enter into it with that and pretty soon they start climbing up the ladder of man and it, start, it starts to become the spiritual humanist thing. Pretty soon they're talking about uh, men being gods. Pretty soon man is elevated and man is in control and man is able to create wealth. Man is able to heal people. Man is able to do everything and God takes a back seat. This is the problem with these types of fundamentalist approaches. So, uh, and it's an ugly lie. I've met far too many people who beat themselves up. I mean, we're talking dozens who beat themselves up because a loved one has died, leaving them to believe that it's because they lacked in the faith. What a lie of Satan. That is just not true. Another thing we have to include relative uh, to biblical healings is context, okay? First, look at who Jesus was teaching when he taught that, that they can do everything in faith, they can ask it and it will be done. It was to his 12 special witnesses who were trained to go out and share who he was. To read the words he gives them is like for a civilian to come upon the Navy SEALs manual, 
read that manual and think that they can go out and operate like a Navy SEAL and do the things that a Navy SEAL does. That is not the context of what Jesus is doing there in Scripture. This would be wrong on a number of levels. First of all, that you don't have the authority to act like a Navy SEAL, and you probably don't have the power that they possess, nor do you have the training. The 12 apostles were trained for three years with Christ, so when he told them, now go out and whatever you do will be done, that's because they had the manual, they had the leader, they were trained, and they had a specific dispensation to bring about the gospel to the uh, Jewish church right then and there. In Matthew 21, uh, 22, it, Jesus says to the 12, and all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. Faith healers take this scripture and they use it as a proof text. You see, it says right here in scripture, all things that you ask, that is so out of context. That was Jesus talking to his 12 who witnessed his resurrection and were given power and all kinds of keys to start the Christian church there on the earth at that time. Remember that. It was one thing for them, for these apostles, to go out then when Jesus died and ascended and to say, you know what? We, we are witnesses of Jesus Christ. He was a great Jesus. We saw him resurrected. And it was one thing for Jesus to say, I'm the son of God. Believe in me and you shall live. But it was a completely different thing for them to make these claims and back them up with miracles. See, that was the point of the miracles at the time. That Jesus would say, I am the son of God and he walks on water. I am the son of God and he raises the dead. I am the son of God and he does these miracles. And then his 12 apostles go out and they say, we are his special witnesses. And they do miracles to back up their claims. Remember, the early church did not have the word of God in their possession. The early church was producing the word of God as it went. So all they had to prove their claims and support each other as a church were the miracles that were going on around them. They didn't have the book to open up and read about those things. They actually had them. And so that prompted belief in the new covenant king, Jesus. Uh, now we have the written word of God to sustain us in our belief. It's not that the healings are done away with, uh, but the, the, the purpose of them has changed altogether. And Jesus and the power he gave his specific apostles has been replaced by the fortifying power of the word of God that we all have in our possession, thanks to the blood and sacrifice of thousands of people to, to use. So that's the context of early church healings. So when there's the argument, why aren't there healings today? And every time I talk to people, I, I never get to see the actual healings. I've seen trickery. I see a leg that's shorter grow, and I, I've seen how that's done. And I, I hear a lot of things, and I see actual people like in wheelchairs getting up. But I haven't seen anybody in America raised from the dead like Jesus did. I haven't seen anybody in America who legitimately is riddled with cancer go up on Benny Hinn's stage and get cured of it and have a medical doctor say the cancer is gone. I know that happens in people's lives, but not because a faith healer is involved. And then I always hear people say, well, it's going on in Africa. It's going on in Egypt. It's going on in China. It's always going on everywhere else. It's like I have a brother who has a friend who said, you know, give me a break. It's because those miracles served a purpose for that time. They go on today, but they go on quietly. They go on through. Uh, we have miracles every day. I'm a miracle that I'm standing here. We all are. That is a living miracle. But those big profound ones were for that time for a specific purpose. All right. Uh, even if men and women are successful, in doing it, I don't see the need for it to go about the way it does. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? So it doesn't mean some of these faith healers aren't able to do these things. Have we not cast out devils and in your name done many wonderful works? Cast out devils. That sounds like a faith healer's uh, claim. We're going to exercise this demon out of them, slap them on the head. The devil leaves. You know, there's that power. And Jesus says, I'll profess to you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work iniquity. So this brings me to another very important point relative to the biblical stance of healings, okay? Listen really closely. In our study of the Old Testament, we know that most things, almost every sentence, is a picture or serves as a type of the Messiah to come. Old Testament, P 
picturing Christ to come. The, the, the blood turning, the water turning to blood, all the things in the temple, uh, all the things relative to Joseph and David, all pictures of the coming Messiah. And when Jesus came, it, it, uh, his life and his death and his suffering and his Messiahship, uh, they were all fulfilled by the actions and life that he took. Okay, you got that. We understand that. While he was fulfilling these pictures that were written in the Old Testament, he was also creating types and pictures for us today to reflect back on that he did when he was alive. We have pictures of the Old Testament pointing to him and his coming. We have pictures in the New Testament of what he did then for us to look back on to say he was the Messiah. Now stay with me. The children of Israel were under a law and spiritual economy that operated on, if you're obedient, you'll be blessed. If you're disobedient, you will be cursed. It was, a, it was based in materialism. It was all based in this and the now. The Gentile church is based on spiritual blessings with our rewards waiting in heaven. Because a Christian is obedient does not mean they're going to be rewarded financially here or with plenty here. It means that they will have blessings in heaven waiting. There's the difference between the Jews and the, and the Gentiles in the church, okay, uh, back then. So when Jesus came, he worked in reaching the children of Israel through material terms. What that means is his miracles were physical. They were materially evident. And as so he fed masses with real food. He said, but don't rely on this. You know, look at the spiritual side. He literally raised dead people, physical dead people from the grave. He opened literally the eyes of blind people and the ears of deaf, deaf people. He, uh, uh, he cleared up leprosy, a physical ailment for the house of Israel who were under a material blessing of obedience, curse, reward, uh, or uh, whatever. So this is... Uh, now listen, all of his works and the works of his disciples today serve as pictures for us in the Gentile church of spiritual healing that occurs in our day, all right? So where he literally bestowed sight to the physically blind, this was a picture that he would restore spiritual sight to those who would believe on him in the Gentile church where he uh, literally fed the hungry masses with bread and water. He made it clear, but I am the bread of life. I am the living water. And today people are spiritually fed by believing on him, not with physical bread and water, but with the living. So these acts of the miracles that he did were pictures for us to translate into our lives spiritually. And we lose that when we pray upon the thing and make it a physical uh, 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 attachment. So where he literally raised the dead, okay, from the grave, that was just unheard of. Um, today he raises people to spiritual life who are spiritually dead. And we look to the miracles he did as the Messiah back then. So listen, today a defibrillator, a defibrillator with electrical currents can bring somebody back from the dead. It is far more miraculous for somebody by looking to the cross and believing on Christ to be changed in their heart from an old man to a new, from putting away their former life and walking new in Christ. That is the real miracle because a defibrillator and doctors, and everything can bring people back, praise God. But that is not the biggest part of miracles. The faith healers have focused on the physical as if that was the greatest thing on earth. When the greatest thing on earth, our lives changed by faith. That is the true miracle of this church. So the so-called fundamentalist faith healers miss this altogether. And being the charlatans that they are, they prey upon the unlearned in the word. And they use ruse and deceptions to, and, and hysteria to supposedly cure, the, uh, heal the sick all in Jesus' name. Uh, some of the most notable of these are men and women, past and present, like Oral Roberts, uh, Amy Simple McPherson, Catherine Kuhlman, Marjo Gortman, Peter Popoff, Benny Hinn, Kenneth Hagen, Rod Parsley, uh, W.V. Grant, K. 
Kenneth Copeland, uh, from small backwater churches on the bayou to worldwide television exposure on so-called Christian networks like TBN, faith healers have been praying on precious people through prayer. And with the noted ones making hand over fist, millions and millions of dollars in doing it. You want to see an example of it? Let's take a look. So here's the gig, folks. These people, they teach the core Christian values. I mean, they, they, they teach it as, as clear as you'll hear it from here or other uh, Bible teaching churches. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus came and lived a perfect life. He died. He rose on the third day. Um, all the things. But uh, you have to ask yourself, is that enough? Is, is that okay then for them to just go off and do what they want to do? They agree that he ascended and he now reigns. And because of these things that they have in common, many believers are under the impression that they should be left alone. That no one should say anything about this type of, of thing. I'm serious. They'll say, well, God can use that. God can use these people flopping around on the stage to bring other people to faith. And uh, so leave them alone. Uh, God can work through then, if that's the case, through Islam. God can work through uh, Mormonism. God can work through Satanism. Why question anything? God can work through it. And let's just let everybody live and let live. Let's not share. God will do it. And, 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 and that's what the attitude seems to be. Is it or is it not our duty, according to 1 Thessalonians 5, that we test all things? We hold fast to what is good, and we abstain from every form of evil. Is it not evil to tempt God? Is it not evil to do these things? 1 John 4, 1 says it plainly. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try, test. Put them to the test, the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. All over scripture, from Jeremiah to Jesus, from Peter to Paul, believers are warned against these guys creeping into the church and doing this stuff through traditions, false signs, even wonders, and make broad the way to destruction. Are we to be watchmen on the wall? Are we to be Humpty Dumpty? Just sit there waiting for the great fall. As for me and my house, we're going to do all we can to warn. Because we're in, the, we're in the business, so to speak, and I'll use that word, we're in the business of bringing people to truth especially from the confines of Mormonism. 
And, and what do I say as somebody who's saying Jesus is real, Jesus is true, and they turn on the TV and they hear Benny Hinn say Jesus is real, Jesus is true, bang, bang, and all this stuff. I mean, come on. I, I, what is it? Now, look at, you can look at me. I, I, I'm not trying to micromanage uh, people and their cultures. But when it's done in the name of God, like Joseph Smith did things in the name of God, we have to call them on it. We have to say, wait a minute, this is what you're saying. Is it true? We do it because we care, because we have an obligation to warn the flock. In 1987, there was a fundamentalist faith healer appropriately named Peter Popoff. And according to atheist James Randi, Popoff, um, before he was exposed to be the fraud that he was, was bringing in $4.3 million a month, a month, uh, at the peak of his career in 1987. The Christian faith healer who was accepted and essentially unchallenged by people in the church because he taught the core beliefs, literally had people throwing their insulin up on stages that he would visit and saying, I've been cured, I'm healed, I do this in faith, and then go into diabetic uh, shock and comas as a result. At the height of his career in 1987, the body who was negligent allowed an atheist named James Randi to step in and prove on The Tonight Show, by the way, that this Christian and his ability to heal people and discern their needs was a complete fraud. See, Randy went to the trouble of going to one of Popoff's performances, and he was able to intercept radio signals that Popoff was receiving in an ear set from his wife, who was hidden backstage, who had talked to people before, gotten their names, gotten things like social security numbers, date of birth, ailments, where they live, where they grew up, husbands, relatives who had died, whispering these things into Popoff's ear, and he would call them out from the audience, bring them forward, and, and perform on them, and everybody was just astounded and amazed. When Popoff was uh, uh, discovered, he denied it. He said that somebody uh, dressed like his wife in a disguise was planted by NBC Studios, and that the film depicting uh, the chicanery uh, was doctored by NBC to, to make his life uh, uh, tough. And all the believers gathered around and said, that's how they treat us here in this world. They're out to get us for this. And, uh, uh, but in the end, he had to admit his guilt. And there's two points relative to the pop-off story. First, why did it take an atheist to step in? Why couldn't we just police our own? How come pastors weren't publicly saying to the congregation, stay away from these guys? Stay away, don't, you know, stay away from this type of activity. This is not biblical and provide reasons why. And uh, uh, if Popoff had lived in the Old Testament time, Elijah or Jeremiah or somebody would have gone and probably cut his head off. And if he had lived in the time of Christ, Peter or Paul would have gone and confronted him face to face like he did with Simon the sorcerer and called him out as he was. But, you know, not today because the church is sacrosanct and above criticism and uh, in, incredulous pastors and reverends have been convinced, have, have convinced people not to ever question them, their authority or the things that they teach. Question every single thing I say. Question every single thing I teach and everybody else. Go to the word. Check your sources. Be smart. Be, be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Don't be taken in. I am a Christian sold out for Christ. I tell you this in love. Your pastor is nothing but a man. He, he, does, he has all the same proclivities and temptations as you do. Never let them step in between you and God. They are there to teach you the word of God. That is what a shepherd is to do. If they're not doing it, they're not doing their job. And if they're going down these roads and they're talking about this type of stuff, run from them. Okay. Pop off is back at it. After declaring bankruptcy in 1987, uh, the year he was exposed, he disappeared for a while. But in 2003, his ministry was gathering in $9.5 million uh, in annual donations. Today, in 2005, he's up to $23 million annually. And he's on television representing our Lord and King, telling people, uh, this is a quote, reach out, touch your television screens where he can feel Holy Ghost vibrations coming through and they can be healed. And I was kicked off of television for telling people that they need to beware of guys like this. Fundamentalist faith healers work off the same principles 
as astrologers, horoscopes, uh, all con men. They're universalisms. They simply speak to a broad audience knowing that they're able to target uh, people with their generalisms that will specifically apply. I have a good friend, Steve Conley. He lives in Florida. He's a believer. I enjoy his insights, and he's given me some real humorous insights on faith healing. He says that since almost every man over 50 uh, is worried about their prostate, and since the most popular name of men given at 50 and in that area was David, all you have to do to be a successful faith healer is to stand before a large audience and say, God is telling me, there's a man out there, d -d -d David, David is his name, and he has problems with his prostate. <laughs> and, and then people in the, in the home audience on TV are like, that's me, you know, that's me. And they follow up, and there you go. Or God is telling me there's a man named Jim, James, Jimmy, JJ. <laughs> they cover the whole gamut with that one. And, and he's really troubled about his finances. Well, you know, every person, including millionaires, are troubled with their finances. And you're certain to get somebody whose name starts with a J uh, when you do that type of thing. You want more? Make two broad categories and bring them together, which is always a fun one. One of the uh, most popular names in older America, take that category, and then take one of the most popular diseases in older America, diabetes, and say, there's a guy named Joe or Joseph or Jojo or Josephine who struggles with diabetes. Touch your television screen! The heal of the devil within you! I have the power of God in me to bring that out of you! That sugary demon that is causing your, your, your liver or whatever the body part is. That'd be a terrible one. It's causing you to die from the sugary demon. Be healing the sick. And that's all you got to do. And you just are so excited and you're so full of it and you're using specific things. And people just, you know, let me write the check. Let me write the check. That's what it's all about. Did you send in your check? In the household of faith, I can tell you, you have been healed. Your diabetes is gone. And to prove that you believe that, send in a check. One half of what you pay your doctors for the year, send it in. Prove to God that you believe that you've been healed. And you've been healed. Speak as though you have been healed. You're missing all your teeth? Say, I have a full set of teeth. Go all right there. Speak as though it's going to come. And you can bring them into your mouth. God will give you that new set of teeth. I promise you. That's how they talk. And these poor, unfortunate people who want to love the Lord and they want to follow him and they want to trust him and they want to do what's right. They follow these frickers with all they've got and they're taken in by these wolves in sheep's clothing, these false prophets. Uh, and so, and then there's the, the double trifecta. It's full of non-unique circumstances and vagaries. And, and what they say is, I see a house. It's white. It's got a fence around it. Well, talking about America right there. And, uh, and there's a grandparent in that house. And that grandparent's concerned about a grandchild who might be doing drugs, might be drinking on the weekends. You know, well, uh, then again, labeled it in the universalism and... You know, did you realize that most people who are in wheelchairs and who use crutches are not crippled? They are in those because of a temporary in, uh, injury, or they are obese, or they're plain lazy. Uh, they have aches and pains. And when you tug on their arm and you shout, be healed, most of them can get up and walk. Did you know that? There are very few people in wheelchairs and things who are there permanently. And you won't see those ones up on the stage of these guys. You'll see the people who are wheeled in, and you can say, well, they look pretty normal. It's because they're in there for one of those other reasons. Did you know that, relatively speaking, there are very few people who are totally deaf uh, or totally blind, that you can go up to a person who says they're deaf, legally deaf, and you can say, bye-bye, in their ear, and say, say bye-bye, and they'll go, baby. And, and they've been healed. They can hear because it's very rare for someone to be completely deaf. And there are people like that. I want to see them healed by these guys. And then there's the total con. That is curing somebody of something they don't have. But they don't know they, they don't have it. They don't know that they have it either. You walk through the audience and you hold your hand out. 
and you stop over a woman who's 40. I see a woman who's got breast cancer. Advanced stages. It's a full one. I'm going to bring this out of her. Gonna bring. She starts crying, and everybody around her is holding her, and they're praying, and they're weeping over her breast cancer she doesn't know she has. And then he extracts the cancer out of her, makes his hand go, it's in me now, and he casts it out of him. And then she goes home, and she writes the check, because she has been healed by Kenneth Copeland and his amazing power to heal in Jesus' name. My friends, we have nothing to lose as believers exposing these frauds. Uh, they have nothing to do with us and our faith. Ours is a faith founded on the good news of Jesus Christ. And that was that he came and he saved a sinful world. That is it. He suffered, he bled, he died, he resurrected, he returned, and then he ascended and he is our king. That is the gospel. That is what we share as in Christianity. That is the core of what we do in Christianity. And that is the good news that you share with your neighbor and with your friend and who has an illness. And you say, I don't know how God will work with you in your illness, but I can tell you this, you can have peace. And it comes by and through the shed blood of my King and my Savior. Who knows if he'll heal you? We'll pray that he does, but he might not. You might get worse, but I'll tell you this, you have a place with him and he'll be your King if you allow him to be in the household of faith and you don't have to worry about all this other stuff, he'll take care of all things. You see, God wants to be the person in your life and he can be. And, and, and you testify that because it happened to you. You went from religion, you went from faith healing, you went from signs and wonders and all that stuff and you came to see who he was and what he's about and that's what Christianity is. None of this other stuff. The simple message to the faithless is too simple. And so what they do is they add on. Yeah, he is the Lord and Savior, but he wants you to be rich. He wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be prosperous. They add all of that on. Contextually speaking, none of it's true. Jesus said you're going to suffer. It's going to be hard. It's tough to be a person of faith. Preach that message to people and see how many people come and listen to you speak. Put on your marquee that you are going to teach the word of God and only the word of God and see how many people show up. Because the masses want this stuff because it's an alternative to faith. Real faith is looking up to your God and King and saying, I trust you and you alone. And whatever happens, come what may, you are my God and King and nothing's going to give me. That is real faith that Hebrews 6 says, pleases the Father. Okay? Did you know the problem is, and we're going to wrap it up is that just because Christians have come to understand that Jesus is Lord and what the gospel, simple gospel message is, they think somehow over the course of time that they are also experts in geology and science and the human anatomy. Did you know that John Calvin, the father of uh, Reformed uh, Christianity, Reformed theology, which is Calvinism, did you know that he said it was a doctrinal heresy to believe that there was a circulatory system in the human body, it's because they start on the simple things and that's not enough. They want to dominate on the other areas of life. They want to infringe upon all areas. What you think relative to science because they want to capture you as much as any other ism does. True Christianity says, no, no, science is fine with me. Doctors are fine with me. Making money or not having money is fine with me. All of those things are just ancillary things that come with life. But my heart, my kingdom is with the God above. All right. One more point about uh, healing in the Bible, and we're going to wrap it up a little bit early. You notice that when Jesus came to earth, if it was all about prosperity, and it was all about, we're going to get to prosperity teaching later, healing, healthy, wholeness, everybody would have been healed, made whole, everybody would have been rich. The whole world would have changed. When he died on the cross and ascended and he came back and showed himself, there would be no sick. There would be no, and he, he left a lot of people. In fact, he left a world that is really suffering. You notice he didn't feed everybody. 
He fed those who were following him. You notice that he didn't heal everybody. In John, he goes to the pool of Bethsaida and he picks one guy out of a whole bunch that are around that pool to come forward and he talks to him and he heals him. And that guy didn't express any real faith. He didn't even know who Jesus was until later. He just says, all I know is I couldn't walk before and now I can, okay? His ministry, his message in Christianity was not to heal us physically. He didn't come, and that's one of the problems that the atheists and the cynics have about Christianity. They say, if God was so great, why doesn't he fix all these ills? That's not his point. His point is to save us spiritually. If had it been the, the latter, he would have removed all these horrible physical things that are the result of the fall. And we all would be healthy and happy, and nobody would ever die. And there'd be no suffering and no starvation. But uh, somehow in his economy, God does not infringe upon the world Satan owns. He works in and through it, through means that are just and right, and reaches people who are willing to hear the truth. But when these faith healers get involved, they, they um, corrupt that message, and they, they, they use it to their advantage, and they build up themselves mansions here on earth, promising the same for those who follow them. And I would just suggest to you strongly, in the name of our God and King, it's not true. Follow him. Open up your Bibles. Be people humble in faith, Love your neighbor, love your enemies, press forward in simpleness, and remove all this stuff that has been a cancer, <laughs> so to speak, to the church today. Before I wrap it up, I just want to pray with you, all right? Lord, we pray your wisdom. We pray for your spirit of truth. We pray for your righteousness to step in. And bring those people out who are seeking for truth. Keep them away from the charlatans. Keep them away from the cults. Keep them away from those who will lead them to feed themselves and help them to discover you and you alone and to have that relationship to which they'll cling to for the rest of their existence, Lord. We pray you'll be with those who are struggling and those who are ill, that you will comfort them with your spiritual peace. If it's in your will, Lord, Heal those people who have ailments that have been troubling. But if it's not, Lord, let them bear with them in faith. Help those we are commanded to pray, and we know that you do work miracles. But let it be according to you and your will and not ours. We love you so much, Lord. We pray for this in Jesus' name. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter.